Welcome to the podcast of Seven Rivers Presbyterian Church in Lakanto, Florida. Our passion is to be a church that enjoys God, experiences His grace, and reflects His love to our community and beyond. To join our local body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at sevenrivers.org. One of the things that I want you to be thinking about during this Advent season is this idea of what if you got this God thing wrong? What if you got uh, this Christmas thing wrong? And what if it's true that God loves you? Like really does. Not just uh, God loves me. No, but really really does. What if he wants to be with you and have a relationship with you? Like not, he's not just tolerating you and not just being like, God, this is a person that I, you know, God's like, I have to love Mikey. No, but what if he wants to know you and know everything about you and spend every second and every moment with you? I mean, consider it. The James Webb Telescope has been this monumental instrument in the understanding of our universe. And what everyone is beginning to realize as it you know, goes millions and millions of miles away from us is that human beings have been incredibly arrogant. We thought we understood the origins. I mean, this telescope's going to discover, try to find the origins of our existence, of our universe. And we thought we could send this little instrument into space to see the beginning of all things. But what the data is coming back and the pictures are coming back and what we are learning is actually we really have no idea. It is so beyond us, so incredible. It's way bigger than we could have ever imagined. And right now, currently, way bigger than we can even measure. And I want you to consider this morning is this idea that what if God is actually willing to span the chasm of the universe to meet you right now? And would you at least consider this over the next few weeks? The Gospel of John does not have a birth narrative. There's no shepherds, there's no angels, there's no gifts from three kings, there's no, there's none of that. John takes us to the very beginning, the beginning of all things. And he makes this incredible claim. The word was there in the beginning before all things existed. In fact, he makes this claim that the word was God, but not only God, but flesh. What a mystery. Would you stand with me? as we read John 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light 
that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, the world was made through him, but the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, nor the will of the flesh, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John the Baptist bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he comes after my ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one's ever seen God, the only God who's at the father's side. He has made him known. Now stay standing. This is God's word spoken to you, the most important thing said. But what I want you to see is Genesis 1, 1 through 3, compared to John 1, 1 through 5. I want to read to you Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. In the beginning, there was God. You can have a seat. Grab your sermon outlines. We're already on the first point. And you can fill in and you can say right there on the first point, the word God. The word is God. Before everything existed, there was God. In John 1, John says, in the beginning, there was the word. This word was not only with God in the beginning, but was also God. And all things are made through the word. Interesting, right? Well, Genesis 1, verse 3, which you just read to you, Moses writes that God created the world out of nothing, absolutely nothing. But how? In verse 3, it says God spoke. God said words and things came to be. The world was without form and void and covered in darkness, and there were these waters and this chaos until God took from within himself and spoke and created. What is John wanting you to hear, the gospel writer? John, the gospel writer, wants you to think about Genesis 1. He wants you to realize who the word is. You see, the word in Genesis 1 is the tool that God uses to create, but John 1 wants you to see that it's so much more than just the tool, it's also God himself. John is delving into this mystery of Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Genesis 1.1, the Hebrew word that Moses writes says, in the beginning, God, that word is Elohim. It's the plural for God. And then in 25 verses later, in Genesis 1.26, when God is making humans, mankind, he says, let us make them in our image. He refers to himself as plural. So the Hebrews, the Israelites, the Jews, who John would be writing this gospel to, they're monotheistic. They believe in one true God. Yet, the very opening chapter of their Torah, 
has these mysteries of plurality with the one true God. Is God one or is he multiple? And the scriptures, if you were to scour through them, you would see over and over again that yes, God is one, but yes, he's also three persons. Brandon Lorenzen is an expert on this subject. If you would like to email him, you can email him at blorenzen at sevenrivers.org and he can handle any of your questions. Just what an incredible mystery though. But John sheds light on this mystery with the word logos, meaning the word. It's distinct from God the Father, but yet begotten from God the Father, born of God the Father, begotten. It's out of this loving relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that God takes from within himself and creates. To some degree, and I feel like this is maybe the best picture that we can really get to understand of how this kind of creation works out of nothing. It's a little bit between a husband loving his wife and a wife loving her husband. What happens in a marriage when two people love each other? New creation, family, children are born as fruit of that love. They are so much like their parents, but yet completely different at the same time. In Genesis 1:27, that's why when God makes them, us, mankind in his image, he says, male and female. It is the union of male and female that the fullness of the image of God can be witnessed. I mean, mystery, absolutely amazing. Joe Novenson, he's a pastor. He, he talks about the Trinity and he, he says this, before anything existed, there are no parents. This is before creation. There are no children and there is no family, but there is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And from the love of that relationship, we have creation out of nothing. It's a miracle. John wants you to know that the word is part of this. And so the second point is the word human. Word is not only God, but it is also human. I'm gonna put a picture on the screen and if you look at it, I mean, this looks like this is something, you know, you know some planets, you know, and, and several images of planets. But I want you to notice in, in the bottom right corner, there's, there's this kind of like eclipse, this ex explosion of light emanating from that um, sphere. But do you know what this is a picture of? It's not of outer space, but it's the microcosmic world of the womb where sperm and egg meet in the middle of the void and nothingness and emptiness of the womb, boom, light, an explosion, new creation. It's as if when every child is conceived, every human being is conceived, God says, let there be light. So, in the beginning was the word, 
and the word takes on flesh. The word is born from a virgin, Mary. Out of nothingness, God said in the womb of Mary, let there be my son. And there was his son, the second Adam in the flesh, the flesh. So just as the physical world is born out of nothing, so too was this word. In verse 14 of John 1, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word took on human form, the word was born. But the birth of the word in the flesh is just as supernatural as the birth of all creation. It's miraculous. For out of the nothingness of Mary's womb, God created within her. This was prophesied 700 years prior before the birth of the word in Isaiah 714, it's on the screen. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and she shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And then here's the actual story, Luke 1, 34 through 35, an angel has appeared to Mary and said, you are going to have a child. And appropriately, Mary says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? It's a great question. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So in John, in John chapter one, verse 14, this sarx word for flesh, I mean, he could use body, he could use soma to describe the word took on a body, but he uses the word flesh because one of the reasons is that in the first century, the use of the word flesh, it encompassed more than just the body and encompassed the entire human experience, the suffering, the pain, the agony. It encompassed, it had the whole dynamic. And so it's, John's really trying to make a point here. The word didn't just have a body, but it came in the flesh. It experienced human temptation, desires, hunger, sadness, happiness, joy. It was subjected to every single thing you have been subjected to. And it knows exactly how you feel. And so, you know, why is this so significant? Augustine of Hippo in the fourth century, he says this, I mean, this is, Incredible, man's maker was made man that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might hunger, the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired on its journey, that truth might be accused of false witnesses, the teacher be beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die. The truth that the word that God took on flesh means that God knows you. And what's better than God knowing you? It's that you can actually know God too. Do you know him? John 1, 10 through 11 the word was in the world and the world was made through him. 
yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Do you know the word? Do you know who he is? I've been listening to a podcast. It's called The Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling. She's the author of the Harry Potter books. And whether you like those or not, that's not really the point. But the podcast follows her recent journey of being demonized and dehumanized by her own loyal, steadfast, faithful fans, all because of her recent political stances. During the podcast, there are stories of fans burning her books and even saying things like, we love the books, but we hate the author. Fan of the books, but we want nothing to do with J.K. Rowling. I mean, it was a whole hour of just people just bashing her. And countless people that were like, oh, I love the stories, it's so amazing, but I wish she would just die. I mean, evil, hatred towards her. And some would even say throughout the podcast that they would wish she would read her own books again. But what is interesting is that J.K. Rowling as they interview her and talk to her, her whole theme throughout the books is this stance and push against the bully. And yet, here she is being bullied by her fans. The person interviewing her asked her this question, what do you say to the people that say you don't understand your own books? Rowling responds, I say to them, that you have not understand the books. And then you can hear her open up one of the pages of her books and she reads from it. The Death Eaters, which are the villains in her stories, claimed we have been made to live in secret and now is our time and any who stand in our way must be destroyed. If you disagree with us, you must die. Fascinating, right? I mean, she's just reading back to them her story saying, who's the villain? Her fans reject her. She wrote the books and yet her, friend, her fans don't even acknowledge her and don't even want to be associated with her. I find this just very parallel to what John is trying to communicate to the people of God. Do you know the author of your story? Do you know the author of life? Do you love what has been created and yet don't love the creator, the designer? Do you believe in him? Do you receive him? That's what I was trying to make at the beginning when I, before we even opened up the scriptures was what if you're wrong about this God thing? What if you're wrong about this idea of Christmas? What if God actually cares about you, wants to know you, have a relationship with you? You, a sinner. You who has done things in secret that you are so ashamed of. You who have had things done to you 
that you are ashamed of? What if God wants to know you, really know you, know everything about you? And you might be thinking, well, how? I mean, how can you know this? Like how, I would like for you to prove this, right? Well, it's right here. The third point is the word, the son, son. Where is the son? John 1, 14, and verses 16 through 18. I'll read them to you. Here's, here's the proof. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who's at the Father's side. He has made him known. The Son. The Son of God, first point. The Son of a human. The Son of man, second point. The Son full of truth and grace. The Greek word right here in verse 14, for dwelt among us, it would be appropriate to translate it as God took on flesh and pitched his tent in our presence, tabernacled among us. You literally can't translate it as God tabernacled with us. And the word tabernacle here has significant meaning to who John is writing to because these people, the Israelites, the Hebrews, the Jews, they, 400 years enslaving Egypt were delivered by miracles by God out of Egypt. And God didn't say, hey, journey to the land that I'm giving to you, promised land, I'll meet you there. He said, I will go with you. How, well, how's that gonna happen? How could God's presence holy dwell with sinners? Oh no, I got away. It's called the tabernacle, a tent that keeps you safe from my holy presence. And that is so that I can be with you. And so they created these tents, this tabernacle to hold the presence of God and God's presence would dwell in it, be in it. Intimacy with God. John is saying that God has tabernacled with us again through his son born of the Virgin Mary. The son is the tabernacle where God's presence dwells in fullness. Therefore, if you want to know God, Go to the Son, and you will meet him. Henry Nouwen, I feel like he does a great job at putting words to things that are very confusing. He talks about in one of his books this kind of concept of like the Son, you know, and the Father, and how the Son reveals, you know, the Father. And he talks about one day, he uses this as an illustration, that he was washing his face, brushing his teeth, looked in the mirror, and was surprised by what he saw in the mirror. He had grown old and gray, and when he looked in the mirror, he saw his father looking back at him. He could see his dad in his face, in his eyes, in his wrinkles, because Henry bears the DNA of his father. And as he grew old, he realized more and more that he was becoming his dad. It's kind of like the uh, progressive commercials, right? With the adult children, you know, being coached up on how not to be their parents, even though they're becoming their parents. This is true for every single one of us. We are becoming our parents. As hard as we don't want to, we will become them. We will at least look like them genetically. 
but will also carry traits of their personality as we age. If you wanna know my dad, you can know him pretty well by just knowing me. I reveal who my dad is, not just genetically, but even in personality. If you want to know what my dad loves and values, then get to know me and you'll find out. The same is true with the son. If you want to know the father, know the word who has taken on flesh. Get to know the son. So the word is God, the word is human, the word is begotten son of the father. Who is he? Jesus Christ. Jesus' presence on earth was the full tabernacle of God with us. In Jesus, God spans the chasm of the cosmos to dwell with you. John 1, 16 through 17. For from Jesus' fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. If you've zoned out this whole time, this next sentence is the most important thing I would want you to hear. In Jesus Christ, you can receive the truth that you are a sinner and the grace that you are God's beloved. John 3, 16 through 18, just two chapters later. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Jesus, God's son, was sent in the world to take on flesh, to suffer, to die on the cross, physically die on the cross for your sins so that you could have an invitation to a relationship with the Father. Jesus invites you to know him. The question becomes now, do you, a sinner, know him? Do you, a sinner, receive the God-man? John 1, 12 through 13, if you receive him, this is the good news, all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And if there's any voice in your head this morning that is whispering into your ear, well, if God only knew this, then he would never have you. If there's any voice in your ear saying, if, if God knew what I did last night, what I did this weekend, 
if God knew what I've done in my past, then he would never have you. If there's any voice right now speaking that into your heart, it is evil and wicked, for that is not true. You are not too broken. You are not too fallen, not too messy, and not too sinful. Do you want the Father? Do you want to know him? You might be wondering, how can I have this? It's rather very simple. It by no means mean clean yourself up and work harder and get it together and figure it out and set some really good goals for the next year. No. It's simply, you can do this this second. Just repent of your sins. God, I was wrong about you. I've been wrong about you. I have sinned against you and others. Confess what you have done. Bring it to the light. For where there is light, there is life. Believe Jesus to be the son of God and just rest in him and let him work in you. And just like God created all things out of nothing and God created in the nothingness of Mary's womb, the son of God, so too in your sin and in your brokenness, God will create something completely new. Do not be fooled to believe that he cannot do it for he has done it. He's been doing it and he's doing it right now. And he's coming back and he's making all things new. C.S. Lewis writes, the son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. Now that is a miracle. And my favorite verse in John 1 is verse 18. I mean, this is what you have right now. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. Jesus has made him known. The part where it says Father's side, a better translation would be the Father's bosom, his chest. It is a picture of a son resting on the chest of his dad. It's the picture of this morning, Luke, crawling into my bed, my three-year-old, and resting his head on my chest and falling back to sleep. It is the picture that when I am anxious and I cannot sleep, last night even, that I generate this image in my head of me laying my head on my father's chest and it always puts me to rest. The word became flesh so that you can rest your head on the father's chest. Right now. Not later when you die and go to heaven, but right now. So will you pray with me? Father, we come to you uh, this morning. Some of us feel like orphans and just feel like there's just no way anybody could love me and care about me and want anything to do with me. 
But God, may you silence that because you have spanned the cosmos and you have come down to earth and walked in our shoes and you have felt what we have felt and you have called your orphans home. God, we are invited this morning uh, to draw near to you and I pray that you give us the courage to do so as sinners, the courage to say we have done wrong, we have sinned, but we need you so anxious and so worried and afraid. We need you to help us. Father, will you give us rest and give us peace? We love you. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Seven Rivers, please visit our website at sevenrivers.org.